We laugh. We cry. We learn. But really, what doesn't kill you makes you better at managing clients and everyone. I'm Morgan Friedman, and this is Client Horror Stories. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Client Horror Stories. I'm excited to jump in only after like having scheduled it eight months ago with Dimitri Constantine. Happy to have you here. Thanks, Morgan. I appreciate it. And thanks for so having me. We're talking about how the best episodes are the ones that begin in Marius Rest, as they say in Latin, jumping right into the story. So tell us a sentence about yourself, and then I'm excited to hear today's story. Yeah, so I've been in uh, commercial web development since about 2005, uh, websites and applications, and about uh, 15 years later, I uh, have a company, and, um, and we work on web applications, and this is a story about one of those projects that we had worked on. Uh, so jumping right in, um, we, I had a friend from, that I grew up with. Uh, she went to the same church as me and we had kept in contact over the years and she knew that I, I had this company and that she knew a little bit about what we did, website design. And she had just been approached by somebody um, at a convention center trade show about this opportunity uh, to sell a medical device and the guy had, a, a gentleman had approached her and told her about this amazing idea. And normally, you know, she gets pitched ideas all the time because uh, she's really good at her job uh, at sales. So in this pitch, she just saw something a little different. It was unique. It had good, you know, good basis. The guy seemed to be pretty credible. And so she gave it a chance and she went to this meeting and met him and his wife and she was sold. So the next thing she wanted to do was kind of bring me in as well to see if I saw the same thing. So uh, they needed a web designer. The idea was reliant on uh, consumer-oriented marketing. So given the fact that I had an agency, I was probably one of the only people she knew that does that sort of thing, um, web, web development. So she called me in to build this website, and I, I spoke with uh, the, the gentleman as well. And... By the end of it, I, it's my job to poke holes in things. And I was like, I can't seem to poke a single hole in this idea. It's really brilliant. Um, there really is a problem. There really is an issue. Moreover, I kind of learned that he had already brought on a couple of partners and he himself was a number one salesperson of this medical device uh, for one of the companies, a larger company in the industry. And he had just recently quit uh, to start this business. He had pulled together someone who was running operations for another larger company for many years. And, um, and this person that he named the COO had over 30 years of operations experience in the industry, relationships, vendors, materials, all that fun stuff. So it just seemed, you know, like a, a really good makeup. And, um, and oh, then by, 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 by the way, um, just, I'm always, alert for risk factors and there's this interesting risk factor here that hasn't come up in any previous episode which is the too good to be true risk, risk factor wow something is so perfect and so amazing it, uh, it was exactly like that it was it was like uh, you know i i deal with 
hundreds of companies every year uh, in betting ideas. And my, my background is product development. So I really love business. I love the business side of things. And I try to design websites in a way that they are appealing to the consumer and can achieve their goals. So part of this, my job is to say, this isn't going to work or this is going to work. And I, I do that like four or five times a day where I try to build these strategies. So for someone to come at, at me with an idea and me just love it right away, and I'm trying to poke holes and I can't, I was like, this is, you know, rare. Again, I think what you said is true. You know, the too good to be true thing. It's very like, why or why me? Why now? You know? <laughs> so it's like, um, and, and, and I really like using the dating metaphor. And it's like, if I'm alone in a bar and a girl comes to randomly to pick me up and she's like a supermodel with a 200 IQ yep. and is self-made billionaire and really, really likes me. And it's like, <laughs> Like, what's really happening here? <laughs> what is she like with this guy that eats Happy Meals at night, you know? Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. She'll, <laughs> <laughs> she'll really enjoy the Happy Meal one. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, so yeah, it was, it was just coming together. I mean, there was a legal officer who had 30 years of experience, um, a CFO that had 20 years as a controller for a construction company, different industry, but same discipline, you know? So we had some pretty good strengths and I, uh, I joined the board pretty quickly and, and behind me, it wasn't just me. Whenever I join into something, uh, I always bring my team with me because I'm, I can only do so much, you know, the team is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, we have some excellent people there that can tie it all together. So um, it was one of those investments that I was going to make and I had done my do the diligence. So I thought and, and jumped into it. So, um, we had, uh, there's a massive gap in this industry and we're talking a massive upside. There were, it's one of those products that anyone can use. It's not for a specific problem or demographic. It's pretty much like 90% of the population needs this product, right. Um, at some point in their lives, uh, there is currently a solution for it. It's not a pretty one. Um, it takes a long time and this is faster, cleaner, but a lot more expensive. And there was no good reason for that. It was a simple product um, that just had a patent that had expired. Uh, and there were a bunch of people coming into the industry. So uh, basically, with this product, I was enamored by the margins on it. I mean, it was incredible seeing what doctors were charging their patients and then seeing what the actual cost of the product was uh, from the vendors themselves and seeing the gap in between. I could understand why there were a couple of market leaders that just found themselves on the upper middle end that were just oh. dominating. Yep. So when, when we came in, we came in with the mindset that we were going to automate this process. We were going to do the marketing direct to the consumer. So a lot of people relied on doctors to push a product that was the biggest name, but subpar quality. And so this product was actually superior quality. Uh, you know, and I actually had them myself. I actually used, used the product myself. Um, and it, it was, generate great results. And so I was a believer um, and started looking at the logistics and my background is pricing and costing. So just doing the numbers, I was like, this is insane. All we need to do is figure out a way to market it to consumers directly and then figure out the process that when they go through the doctor, they can pay on the spot. How are we going to do that? Well, based on my background, I was thinking of partnering with uh, some financing companies some um, some of the payment companies out that are out there and automating the whole process so that out of their chair, they can see from the cell, cell phone and pay for the product right there. The, the uh, doctor will get the confirmation 
and payment has been accepted, they'll be dispersed a certain amount of money upon initiation. And then the whole payment process would be automated. The management process would be automated. We would give support to the consumer directly through the app. Um, pretty brilliant idea overall. It wasn't just me. It was the, you know, the whole team kind of came together to create this thing, right? Right. Well, at the beginning of 2019, we finally set out to build the product. Um, and we, we, uh, it was exciting. It was a great time. So initially, um, you know, the idea was really easy to sell. I mean, we were able to pick up a few doctors right off the bat. There's a problem in the business. Um, and, and they recognize that too. Uh, I definitely believed in the team, given the information that I had, you know, I really thought it was lucrative. You know, I, uh, the, the brand coders team built out a really strong brand. I, I gave a lot of the time, you know, for free to the company to build out, uh, you know, as part of my investment in the company to build out the brand, a really solid brand website and all those things to spark the sales process, collateral, all that. Um, we identified a lot of issues and we pivoted fairly quickly, which, which was a good sign. You know, you have, there was a dead end in one category. So we figured out a solution using some of our vendors to create another product that can generate revenue fairly quickly. So things were really good. I mean, for the first couple of months, you know, we were moving fast, um, minor issues, but we got past them. Um, we were at the point at this point where we needed to do some marketing. We had the product figured out. Um, and so we needed some financing for marketing budget. I kind of leaned a little bit on these guys and their experience and their expertise and their, their kind of people knew them in the industry, right? They weren't nobodies. I thought that they would be able to pull, you know, some big names knowing that they're behind it. You know, that was kind of like the first sign that was a little weird for me is we were looking for fundraising and, you know, I'm like, why can't these guys who are the best salesperson in, in the, that company, you know, 30 year operations experience has all these contacts. Why is nobody investing in them? You know? So I kind of thought something was weird, but I tapped into so my. Up, so up until this point, it was self-funded by everyone. Correct. Yeah. I mean, basically my company was driving all the design and that stuff while right. they were doing some research, they were getting some vendors going and talking with them and negotiating pricing, getting logistics taken care of. So there was but, work. But, but what's it's interesting that could also be an, like another risk factor where like, if you can't get one person to like, to, to give you money, then I, I guess now, you know, but you didn't, you didn't know a year earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, surprisingly it, it's what happened after, you know, that you find that, that like, it's just, it, it wasn't the fact. Out of curiosity, were, was, were any of them doing this full time? Or was no. this a, and that's another red flag that I'm gonna get into. So uh, okay. that's another big, big deal. Yeah. So I read your mind because I've seen situations yeah. along those lines where a bunch of guys in an industry and each one puts in an hour and an hour a week. That 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 is that's another red flag. Oh, and then the overstatement of how much they work too was a common yeah. it, was, it was I did so much work. I did 30 minutes of work and made three calls and and yeah, that was yeah. a big deal. And you could tell that after a while. You know, you could tell because the amount of work someone was able to accomplish in an hour when they put their mind to it was just dwarfing what they were doing for you know two months, but it, it wasn't immediately apparent. I, I don't think that it was immediately apparent. Yeah. I didn't mean to jump ahead in the story. I didn't know audience. No. I didn't know that's where it was going. <laughs> Absolutely. So go ahead. Let's, let's go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, at that point it had been about a month and we need to put up 
some some kind of funds because the idea is there. It's formed. We have the brand. We have the sales collateral. We have the doctors, and they're just waiting to get patients. They're just waiting, and there's a limited amount of time that we can that we have before we could, you know, we're going to lose their trust. And so uh, there were a lot of promises made behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of, and I can understand why on month two, you know, people started getting frustrated. The the doctors did. And what, so there was what, pressure. What, what, what sorts of behind the scenes promises were made? So there were promises of volume and how many cases we could deliver that weren't substantiated by any fact whatsoever. And um, we had found actually uh, I was in charge of vetting because my job was product development and, and managing the development of the application. I also have a marketing background, but at the same time, we, I, I couldn't focus on both. There's too much work. So we actually sought out another marketing company to assist us. Um, and, uh, and that person, very, very talented, very good at what he did. Um, uh, but we brought him in and he, he joined the team about a couple of months later during this period, uh, right before we were about to get investment money. So I tapped into some local contacts that I had, a, a really good friend of mine, very nice person, you know, um, and I was into this company. I mean, I had already sunk in 100,000 100, or so uh, into it and just, just plain time, just in time and effort. And I, you know, at this point, I, I, if I'm in it, you know, I, uh, I'm definitely invested. Right. Yeah. So I felt comfortable going to a friend and, um, and this friend, uh, you know, trusted me quite a bit. Um, and so I told him the idea and he did his homework, you know, the, the, the team that he was with did, did their homework. And we ended up pulling in a, a pretty decent size, you know, seed investment round. Um, and, you know, that was, that was great because that gave us the power. We now had a marketing person to, to get it going. We had the ability uh, and, you know, very talented team behind us um, and things were moving. Right. Um, so uh, basically we, things just went on. Wait, quick, but wait, the investment that came in, did it come in through you or through, through them? I came in through them, but via me as the contact, right? So I, I, I put my social equity on the line um, and my uh, trust, yeah. my reputation yes, basically yeah. to pull that in, right? Agreed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Words, you know, so, so you have a situation where there's this innocent person that has nothing to do with it, you know, and, and trust in you and, and, um, and then, you know, you're about to see what happens. So, <laughs> so basically some warning signs start to appear, right? Uh, in early conversations with some Fortune 500 companies, we were dealing with Ally Bank, we were dealing with Stripe, you know, and some of their, because our market was so appealing. It's just such a fast growing market that has huge potential for financing that at the, uh, just dropping the name of our industry and showing the team that we had behind us was enough to get the whole team excited and get like a big team dedicated to us, you know, in, in, those, in those places to develop uh, integration and automation. Um, so with that, we were meeting with, you know, some of these bigger people and I started to notice something was really, really wrong when at the first meeting, our CEO talks about us being a trillion dollar company. We hadn't sold a single product yet. And I'm like, what is you're being a trillion dollar company at that time or the ambition to become a trillion dollar but the, the audacity to say that uh, to a company, it's your first meeting. 
you know, and then acting like they're missing out on a trillion dollar opportunity if they don't give you the best price possible. It was just a very, very weird meeting. I think all of us felt like physical pain listening to the whole meeting. Well, that didn't end there. Every single person we met with after that, the same thing came out, you know, billion, multi, hundreds of billion dollars will be the you know, first trillion dollar device company, you know, in this industry. And, and it just didn't make any sense. We had doctors on the back end that this person had made a promise It's six months in now, this person had made a promise to get 50 doctors. Cause that was his role at the old company was selling these doctors and building networks, right? Promise to get 50 of them. We had a total of 12, maybe 13. I don't know. Uh, that were that were there through all those efforts. Whenever this person dropped the ball, we would complain. Nothing would ever happen, right? No, nothing would ever come of it. But oh my God, if someone else didn't do something that they said they were going to do, all hell would rain down on them. So it was it was a very weird uh, environment where there wasn't any accountability for the upper three that were there, the original three. But everybody else would take a beating, you know, if there was anything there. Um, I think I was pretty immune from it because I, they, they needed me to achieve the thing at that time, you know, with that model, they needed me, uh, today they're using a different model, but, uh, with that model, they needed me. So I was able, I, with my immunity, I tried my best to defend the team, but the attacks kept coming. I mean, they were, it was every week was a different target and it ended up being the marketing person at one point. Um, it ended up being, you know, the customer, customer service person at one point, Everybody but the top brass who was doing literally nothing, you know, having one phone call a day. So I think it was hey, I, long, long ago, 20 years ago, I worked at a company where they're having a bunch of problems. And after everyone and people were fired regularly. And after every time someone was fired, the top brass would always see that, oh, all the problems in the company are caused by that person. Correct. And then like three months later, someone else would be fired and, oh, all the problems of the company are really caused by that person went on and on and on. And that really taught me that basically the top people just talking shit about this person, this person, current employee or ex-employee actually makes the top brass look, uh, look bad because if one person fucks up, whatever, but when every single problem is caused by every single employee, the problem might not be the employees. <laughs> It's not. And it created a revolving door. It taught me a lot about culture. You know, um, you, you really don't, you grow a company and you look at attrition and you look why people leave. Um, it's lack of appreciation. It is lack of understanding. Imagine that someone who has no knowledge of your department or what you do, expecting a result because they overpromise somebody on, a, on something and they're not getting that result, which is impossible. I mean, really impossible given the tools and resources we had. Uh, then dishing everything out on that person when they failed in the beginning to, to, to deliver what they promised, which would have made everything all right, you know? Um, so it was, it was a downward spiral caused by a lot of different things. And it started there, right? Um, we started getting complaints about quality on the product as well down the road. Uh, there was a lot of deliveries missing because the person who was in charge of logistics wasn't really doing very much. <laughs> and that's another one of the top brass. Um, also the company was a foreign company and they were trying to make a foray into the U S of the manufacturer. So there was some supply chain issues too. You know, you can handle that through customer service, 
but at some point wait, wait, the, yeah. the company itself was a foreign company or the like the supplier like who's being the supplier, the supplier of the product uh, was a foreign company yeah okay. they have they have a good quality product but they're yeah. it, like u.s yes like deliveries of them were not a hundred percent great. I mean, there were a lot of issues with them that would cause pain, you know, in, in, uh, when the person would wear the device and, and, um, you know, eventually those issues iron them, you know, we ironed them out, but there were, there was a lot of kickback and we lost some people. So rather than growing at a pace that we were supposed to be growing at, we were actually losing people. So we basically lost a lot of credibility right away in early vendor discussions. Uh, we lost a lot of credibility with our clients our product was phenomenal, but, you know, then we had a, a team that didn't really understand the investment required to build an application. You know, you, you have these people that think you can hire a developer and it's going to just work. But when you're dealing with payment systems, you're capturing information that's PII, you're dealing with security, you have uh, infrastructure, you have all of these elements that each take, you know, a person who's been working for oh, really? five years in the industry to really truly understand it. People don't understand. Mark Cuban will tell you anytime you go and say you're building an app and you don't say $500,000 or more, he'll laugh in your face. You know, uh, it just isn't possible. I didn't know that. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. In Shark Tank, if you say you're building an app, you will immediately jump on it and he'll start asking you a bunch of questions about how much money you have aside because people just seriously underestimate it. I don't think the general population understands. So we were supposed to build a minimum viable product and we, we came out. It was by, by, yeah. I know I'll point out this. I think there's a more general version of that observation, which uh, which is people tend to know the complexities of their own industry, but think everything in other industries is is is, is really is really simple. Right. That, oh, no, I'm, oh no, I'm a lawyer. No, no, no. You want a patent? Oh no, it's so expensive because it's this and this and this and this and this. Thank you for bringing that up. That was my one of my favorite things to say. Is like I don't care if you have 30 years in the legal industry. You know nothing about software. You know this person did a couple of contracts with software developers. Orly, orly. Forgot to do a contract with us. You know. <laughs> It's like, this is where it was like, you know, that ended up working in my favor in the end, because honestly, I, I was able to, you know, part very easily. Um, I, I handed over everything, you know, I did everything down the road, but it was just these huge missteps, you know, uh, none of them were really full-time into this, except for the CEO. The CEO was full-time into it, but he was the one causing all the issues. So it was just, the more we let him do stuff, the more... It, the worse it got, the, the lesser so, our opportunities were. So question, you know, that old saying about boiling a frog, uh, boiling a frog, that the way you boil a frog is slowly. So it or, or else it jumps out. So it feels like with this story, you're slowly being boiled. Like it's not like one big thing happened. Right. You realize this, 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 was there a point when basically you, where you consciously added up all those things and you're like, wait a minute, this is fucked. Yes, uh, absolutely. We were all, uh, it, it ended up being one of those cultures where there was a split between the, the top brass and then everyone else, right? And we were the ones doing majority of the work, right? Um, getting things done. And yeah, there was some work being done here, but I, I mean, we were doing customer service, all that support. Well, after the weekly attacks, switching targets every single week, it got really old and we go, the idea was so good that it, it, it like kind of overshadowed all the, the, this BS for a little while. 
there was a time where all of us came together and we actually managed to get the CEO out of the day-to-day or so we thought, right? We all just uh, were out. Um, That was where we said, if you don't make this move, we are all leaving the company. So that CEO steps down, but doesn't really. No. The board and still has a voice, still is pulling puppet strings, still whispering in ears of people. And, and, that was the point where we all said at the same time, we're out and all three of us left, um, you know, right away. But, you know, building up to that, there was a lot of, um, a lot of issues, you know, a lot of like, it was, you would never think um, you could be like, you always think of people in an abusive relationship. Right. And you're thinking, how could you let them do that? How could you let them do that to you? Right. That's what I always thought. I'm like, don't you have the confidence to say no? Well, when someone over promises you the world, you know, you see it and, and it's a reality, it becomes a reality. You can sometimes get blinded and more willing to take the punishment, you know, that comes with it. Um, depending on how big the idea is or how glamorous it is, you know, in some relationships, they promise the, oh, uh, you'll, you'll go on that vacation. They'll spend, you know, a lot of money, take you on this all-inclusive resort. <laughs> Everything's great. And you forget about the time that they locked you in a room and, and <laughs> you're calling the cops, right? So, so it's, it's kind of, by the way, I, that's a great point. I want to add a different point that you, you gloss over in passing, but I think is important enough to call out, which is, I like your phrase. You said that idea was so good. It overshadowed everything else. And I think that's a really important point because what also happens sometimes is sometimes when there's one aspect, like the idea that is so amazing in emotionally and psychologically your mind blocks out all like all the other problems so it could be a great idea like also i've seen this thing working with like name brand superstars oh my god no no no. but it's so and so but it's so and so and so and so like because of that your mind doesn't even register the terrible terrible decisions and behaviors and the huge red flags that it's about to explode just because of the name or the idea it absolutely changed my entire perspective of people in general. I have actually fired clients since then. I have been so much more aggressive about making sure people are, are good and, and respectful. Like the amount of fighting that I did on behalf of trying to defend the people that were doing hard work and just getting screamed at for things that were out of their realm of control. I spent hours, uh, my wife heard me screaming for two, three hours. I, I was literally screaming. This, these people were so awful that I couldn't fathom that they existed. Like I couldn't fathom that a type of person like that existed. So I was question. Yeah. I think our audience and especially me would love to hear one specific example of something that's so terrible. Because so far you're saying weird yellow flag. Okay. They weren't full-time this, 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 but like when the horribleness came out, is there like a, quintessential moment you're like where where our listeners and me would be like wow these guys are true scumbags i mean it was one there were so many stories but one that comes to mind is the ceo trying to get everybody on board with firing our hardest working person The, the person who literally managed an entire video shoot photo shoot uh, worked 16 hours a day, recruited all these people, handled so much, so much logistics, but she kind of did it so smoothly that it looked so easy, right? It looked so easy. She got the call center going. 
She got us into Zendesk. Like you're talking to multi-talented person. The CEO calling each and every one of us to badmouth her and then try and get her fired because he wanted to make room for this other person at his previous company who he thought was slightly better, um, who ended up joining the company later, actually, and causing another mess behind the scenes, you know? So there was this, it was a culture thing. The previous company that they worked with in this industry just had this vicious culture. It's a very litigious industry. Like the moment we had left, obviously, you know, in the end we leave, right? And everything's great. It's rainbow and sunshines after that. But um, there's recovery period after that, right? Like it was, it was a lot to process, but, but I mean, you look at what happened immediately after a lawsuit right away from one of the largest companies, um, just to kind of try and shut them down. Uh, the cultures of, of everyone talking about each other behind their backs in this industry. It was just something I'd never seen before. I come from the candy industry. Everybody's happy. We, you know, trade nerds and Oreos. Right. And at the end of the trade shows, we all get together. We go to dinner, even with your, your, uh, your biggest competitor, right? Um, you, you go to dinner with them. It's respectful. Uh, you talk about the industry, you have some fun, you get some drinks. This industry was awful. I mean, it was just constantly everybody spying, trying to figure out what's going on with each company. I, I know that happens. It, it's very common, but well, what's, what I, I want to observe on, on your story that your example of uh, him doing that is a really good example because it calls out two examples of bad behavior that, that are worth noting. One is I have a personal rule of thumb, which is I don't say anything negative about anyone unless I'm willing to say it to their face, period. And, and that's what's funny is every word that I'm saying, I must have said a hundred times to their face. And and in the end, it, but, the, but, the, but but what's notable, yeah. what's, so you're great. You follow the same rule, but what's notable is that the boss called individual he called you privately each of the people privately to bad to to, to badmouth the girl so the the ceo doing that is is a sign like the ceo badmouthing this person behind her back um uh, is uh, like is 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 a red flag uh, yeah. and although i'll my cal my i have a very new york attitude which is if you're going to badmouth someone look them in the eye my california friends or people i know in california the culture is much more no no never badmouth anyone just ghost and disappear instead it would be it wouldn't have been a big issue if if uh, if that person understood what her job was you know yeah if he just even could fathom which he can't, he's just not capable of it. He's not capable of empathy, you know, in any situation is what I figured out. Right. He couldn't even fathom how much work she did. She, he just looked at the things he understood and assumed that they were super easy to do. And I just think from that, that place that he was at where he was literally unqualified mm -hmm. to be a CEO, uh, we had discovered so many things. He had been terminated. Not, he didn't leave his position. He had been terminated. He had been given an ultimatum to leave. We found out that the reason he was the number one salesperson is because of one client, one client that we brought into our company that refused to talk to him after a month, hated him. It was weird, very weird. All, you know, all of the partners that were at the top had one foot in the company, except for the CEO, one foot in the company, one foot on another ship, right? One of them was still managing their law firm. The other one was still managing. This one was a, a great guy trying to like, you know, join the vendor in one aspect and telling them a story, then telling us a story and kind of working the whole thing to where, you know, 
uh, he was sneaky about it. You know, he was very, very uh, sneaky to try and work both sides and, and ended up, you know, uh, that, that was like one of the things that I noticed. I mean, very Weasley person. Uh, and I'm sorry, these are things that I would say in person to them, you know, uh, but, but my, is, my, my comment, no, by the way, my comments weren't behind people's back. We're being anonymous here. So it's not yeah, about those people. Not, I, I didn't mean that against you. I meant to, yeah. I meant that as, as a criticism of the CEO's behavior, because I think it's very bad behavior of the CEO to criticize anyone he's working with. Yeah. Unless, like the, the problem isn't criticizing. You have to criticize people. Yeah. The, pro, the problem with the CEO's mistake is criticizing them behind, behind their back. Yeah. So this is the thing, is given those situations going on that they didn't fully communicate to us, then the audacity to come after us, you know, and, and anyone on the team that was working hard that was, I think, what made it the worst. It was, it was just the the inability to accomplish anything on their own and the inability to achieve anything and using their, you know, years of experience as a number to try and, you know, establish something. But truly they couldn't move a mountain. Uh, all three of them together couldn't move anything. They couldn't, you know, so move they, needed, <laughs> they they needed something. They needed other people. And and it was the culture of abuse. Uh, it really was an abusive culture. And that's why, you know, I, I have zero regret for leaving the way I did. Uh, all of us don't. Um, it was just a right. constant meeting. Yep. So that being said, you know, so, there's lessons right. learned here. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. Um, unfortunately, in my experience, these sorts of inability to do stuff is just characteristic of life in big companies. So, uh, like, and the people that do like these other big companies are not the ones who are promoted. They're the ones that have the life squeezed out of them until they quit a remnant of their former selves. You got it. Yeah. And, uh, and that is true. And another thing is the reason why I'm so confident in, in saying these things is because it wasn't just me that noticed it. It was our vendors. It was our doctors. Several doctors left because of the way that uh, they perceived the people being treated uh, my entire team at brand coders was like, when are you going to leave this company? You know? And, and I felt almost like a violation if I didn't do that. Cause they have to deal with these people on a day-to-day basis. And I don't want that anymore. I don't want them to deal with them. I'm here to like protect them. And here I am putting them like right in the lines then where all they hear is criticism and attacks. And it was so rampant. It was, it was crazy. Luckily it didn't bleed into our culture, but we saw what we didn't want to be. So, you know, some of those lessons learned are just like yeah. now I have very much, much, much more understanding and respect for people who go through, uh, you know, much like a bad relationship. Uh, anyone who's in a domestic abuse situation, it's like, it, it kind of brings, it, isn't it crazy how like the parallel of business comes full circle and then like domestic abuse. And I'm like, I understand now I get it. I understand what it's like to be beat. You're, down. The, you're, the abuse. you're locked in a closet. That's it. I mean, and I'm, you know, fairly I had a good upbringing, great family, you know, lots of support, lots of friends, lots of, you know, uh, great team, you know, um, even I fell into that trap, right? Like anyone is susceptible. Uh, our brains are dumb, right? You know, <laughs> we're not. A, so, so that was one of the big lessons learned is to, to look for the signs of, of those sorts of things right away. If I see anyone try anything like that or speak badly about someone without confronting them to their, their, their face, that's like immediately they're on alert, you know, in my book, um, they're on alert. Like, there's, there, there's, there's another lesson from, uh, or let's say 
yellow flag to look, uh, to look out for is this culture of politics. There's like people who want to get stuff done and there are people who just want to go gossip and talk about people and complain or get the right people to like them. And kind of the two skill sets are incompatible. It's or almost incompatible. So yeah. when people, when it's all about moving the pieces on a chessboard, it's like very likely at some point they're going to move the pieces against you. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened is they figured out all loopholes, you know, um, to, in the end, I really wanted no part of the company anyways. I didn't want to be linked to them in any way. So, I mean, they found a way to get us out of what we had rightfully earned. Right. But, um, it, I knew the company wasn't going to go very far with the team that I had, even if they got help, they would always have that puppet strings in the background and the one person trying to control with politics, you know, so nothing would ever get done. So it was really a clean clean cut and such a great, like relieved the day I did it, the day we quit, it was just all three of us were just, we went out and celebrated, you know, uh, ended up talking, you know, every single month for a little period of time and, catching up on stuff. And I don't know, it created a, a great uh, relationship with these people after the fact. There's this, there's this interesting consequence of like, there, there's this emotional high you get from, from breaking up with someone that deserves to be broken up with. It's cause you're always scared. It's always like, cause there's like, Oh, you always want that money, that equity, that hope of something. So, mm-hmm. which is why humans get scared to cut it off. But once you cut it free, it's so relieving. It is. It is. And uh, watching the cringeworthy meetings, we were meeting with huge companies and just watching the, the CEO, like just embarrass. It was just like every meeting we were no, we wouldn't know if he was going to, you know, embarrass us by saying something he'd say like, you know, racist things sometimes in a group of people, like it was crazy. No candor, no control over language, say things with, it would, here's another horrible thing. Walk up to people, tell them that, you know, the part of their body isn't ideal and that our product can help them. People you just met, shake their hand and be like, "Uh, you know, we can fix that. It's just, you have to understand this person was not normal. He was like a a walking shell of of a man and, uh, and, and really had no understanding or empathy. It was, it was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> um it's so it so it it feel it feels like um to be a good leader you need a few different characteristics and he seemed to be lacking on all of them it might be useful to articulate or summarize them because it's good to look out to see if the people you might work with might be missing any of these one that you mentioned is empathy because uh, because to work in a complex with any, anyone else, they will need to understand your understand your situation. And often, you when you work with people without empathy, you think, okay, okay, he treats me fine, but he's not understanding of them. But every single time, like whenever things go wrong, like he may not be understanding whatever your financial situation. He doesn't know how much things cost. We're like with like, like the empathy always turns against you. And then there, and I happen to really value uh, get things done spirit as opposed to the political polit, uh, uh, polit, uh, uh, political spirit. So like leaders or clients who who want who want to get things done is I 
is um, as opposed to just be a political idea is important. Of course, the extreme version of that is uh, is one kind of want to micromanage you, and so you always need you always need that that healthy balance um, that, that that healthy balance between the two. Absolutely, and I think uh, part of what the signs that were were there was siloed information, right? That. Siloed information is a really good one. It's a very good indicator, right? If, if people are not comfortable sharing their vision or their plan with you, or what you see is how that's happening, doesn't coincide with what they are saying is going on. Media red flag, you know, um, whenever you see two sides of a company split, leave immediately. (laughs) That's like, you know, that couldn't be more obvious. I mean, we were ready at that point, I think. Um, infighting, just constant infighting. How can you focus on going forward if you're constantly fighting each other um, and just finger pointing and blame game? If you look in good cultures, uh, there's no people don't do things wrong on purpose. Sometimes they do occasionally, right? But it, it, there's a reason for that, and you might want to use some empathy to understand why. But basically, people do, want to do their best work. So if they're doing their best work and you're encouraging them properly and they have the right motivation, then they made a mistake. It's okay. You have to let people fail. You have to let people uh, learn in this industry or wherever you're going, because if you create an environment where they're too afraid to fail, they'll never try anything and you guys are going to stagnate, right? So that was one of the things is everyone was too afraid to try something. Everyone was too afraid to fail because if you failed, you knew you were going to have a target on your back. And so that created a horrible culture where instead of growing in knowledge and growing in expertise, we ended up regressing um, in the, in that industry, you know? So that was another sign. Um, I guess I, yeah. I, I really like your infighting um, observation. I think a common pattern of these is seeing other people do bad stuff and thinking it's not going to turn against you. Like, like if, every, if there's fighting, you're going to be pulled, uh, pulled in. And it's incredible to me. I, I often tell clients and companies I invest in that what kills companies isn't murder, it's suicide. It's yeah. it's it's the infighting that, that that is just so common in bringing teams down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um every every company will have some form of infighting when you have partners, right? Uh, it's a marriage. And if you don't have arguments. You can't have a healthy marriage because one person is either not expressing themselves appropriately or communicating appropriately. Um, so their arguments are part of a healthy company, right? You should make a point. It should go to vote. You should accept the vote, right? Also, I'll, my, my interpretation of that is there is, on the one hand, I agree that it's like a marriage, so there will be arguments. On the other hand, I think there are healthy and unhealthy ways to have an argument in business or, uh, or, 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 in, or, in, uh, or in marriage. Like here's a bad way, an unhealthy way is, uh, is I can't believe you did that. You're terrible. You're stupid. You're always doing it. Did, 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 did. And, uh, and, and on, the, on the other hand, having healthy arguments is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, requires some sophistication and some, and some experience. And that's the whole thing is, is, um, as I said, you know, when you have healthy arguments, you can have votes and they mean something. Um, but when someone is going behind the scenes, trying to silo information, look bad or silo information or tell the wrong story or try and convince everybody of something that just simply isn't true. 
um, you know, then you have this issue where it's not exactly honest. Someone's got, you know, there's, and, and you can't have a good organization if everyone isn't on the same page. That is the most important thing that I've learned was that you need to trust who you're partnered with. Um, and I know that seems so obvious, right? Oh yeah, you need to trust them. Of course, why would why would you join them if you didn't trust them? But now I've, I really am, I've, I've understood, you know, what trust really means. And it's, it's just, it's so much more in depth than their reputation of the resume or anything like that. It, it goes deep that in certain characteristics that we talked about earlier, like these little tiny signs you can see early oh, that, that will, you know, the way they treat others, if they talk bad, you know, the, the rule, if they talk yeah. bad about you or someone else that they're talking about you too, that kind of thing. Exactly. And, and those picking up on those things were, were big. Yeah. So, so create points. I have um, two points to add to that. One. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah. You had the great observation a moment ago that it's important that everyone is on the same page in an organization. I just want to add to that, that as a consequence of that, it's important to repeat, 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 repeat what page you're on. Because even we're in this case, we're, they're, they're assholes. But even in cases where people aren't assholes, often you're 100% right that everyone needs to be on the same page. But even when everyone's good, yeah, I've been in situations where I think we're on this page and the other person thinks we're on a completely different page. Correct. So, so but it, that, won't, or, that won't ruin an organization. It'll just make it temporarily worse and it's fixable if you have. Uh, that's the vision is you repeat the vision, right? You, you get you that out here. So everybody is, is there. Right. But, but if you have some lack of clarity on the vision, that's fixable. I think what I'm more focused on is the non-fixable traits of, of an personality. personality. Who, who yeah. And so bad. you can't turn a, not a scumbag into a non-scumbag. We learned after six months of trying so hard. And, and, you know, when you're one-on-one -on -one conversation with these people, they go, I understand. Oh, I know what I did wrong. I understand. I want to change. I want to change. And you hear the same thing in a relationship that's bad, right? I never had a bad relationship. I've never been, you know, abused in a relationship, right? But man, if those words don't ring true that I haven't heard them in a movie or something, you know, uh, I swear I'll change. I swear I'll be this better person. I swear I'm willing to learn. I swear I'll, I'll do it. Okay. All right, cool. And then you back off and then they continue doing what they're doing because they got you off their back for a month, right? And so those are the things that I've, I've noticed, you know, are common behaviors where it, like, it just, it's, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Yeah. There's, uh, those, which is why it's often in these client horror stories, sometimes you talk about how to save and improve the situations, but often it's just recognizing it and recognizing it early because you can't de-scumbagify someone. I like that word, by the way. I just invented it. <laughs> they're, they're stuck. There are certain, and certain age groups too, that when they get to that age, you know, uh, and they've been successful in their life previously, that they just aren't, they turn off that learning switch. I no longer want to learn and I want to dictate. And so when, what you see is there's, there's two people in that older generation, two types of people. And there are the types of people that are always learning. And they're the ones that buy the latest, you know, computers and they understand what TikTok is. They don't want to do it, but they understand it. Right. And they, they, they want to learn. And then you have the other generation that is so set in their ways uh, that they are just, and it's not an age thing. Exactly. You know, it's, it's 
50 plus, right? You could be in, in either of those buckets, but you've done things you won the way you did it, right? There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Um, you did it one way and it was successful. Great. But you can't apply that methodology to everything. And also continuing to learn and continuing to understand the changes in society and how the world works. There are some people that get it and some that don't. And the ones that don't can't, you got to detect that when you're younger and, and you have a different view on the world and you know, the world is open to you. Um, they're, they're trying to keep a hold of something that, that they're starting to lose. Right. And so it, it just won't work. There's another dynamic there with those types of people, whereas with the other types, same age, but more open to listening, more open to learning, you'll get on just fine. You know, you'll be just fine. So that was another interesting observation from dealing with these people. You know, I've dealt with people that are, um, that are, that are way more experienced, you know, have many more years on them in, in business and that are just constant learners and they are a pleasure to work with. Right. Um, and just some people aren't, you know, <laughs> some people that fall into that bucket are not. Um, what, it, by the way, I love that. I totally agree. I would add to that, that this might be an interesting way to find good, good people to work with. Like you can tell if someone's a good learner or not at any age, ask someone, what's the most recent book you read? And just people who, who recently read a book are likely to be, uh, to be, uh, lifelong learners in a way someone who didn't recently read, or you can ask anyone at any age, what's a skill that, that, that you recently learned? My best friend in the universe, he grew up in the house next, next to mine, a oral practical person, my, my brother, my age. And I kind of grew up in, in, in his house. And, um, so his, his parents are like my parents age, you know, like well past, well past retirement. And his dad just in the last like three years, took up silversmithing and now like makes these beautiful like silverware and they like he turned his whole basement into this so he's like above 70 year old guy just yeah. uh i just started uh, just started doing that like at at, at any and, and by the way really fun at a party too i bet you, <laughs> you can tell stories galore because it really is a common marker it really is i'm telling you it's it's a thing um, and, and it's actually one of the screening questions in the first 15 minutes of a conversation with any employee that, that, or any potential candidate, um, we have a phenomenal team because of the lessons that I learned from this company. Um, the one that I dealt with here, right. I, I say, I went to school of hard knocks because I went through this whole experience, right. Um, I knew exactly what I didn't want. The moment I see what I learned is culture is defined by what you tolerate. Um, and if you let anything through culture is defined by what you tolerate. If you tolerate someone making fun of someone else and you don't address it right then that second, that's now the new baseline. You've lowered the bar, right? And eventually you lower the bar so low that the revolving door starts and people start attacking each other. They don't help each other anymore. So what you want is to maintain that high bar. You want to address any kind of behavior. That's what your, your core values are. People don't understand what those are for. Those are because everybody signs them. And that's who we are, right? That's what this organization is. So you define your core values and you say, we trust each other. Why would you go and steal the, the toilet paper roll? You know, I, it's not the dollar that bothers me. You came in and you took it and you didn't ask for it. Um, I would have given you six. I would have given you 12. But why did you do that? That hasn't happened. I'm just saying like hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, why did you go ahead and do that without asking? Um, you know, and that's a weird thing to me. That is a, a cultural violation. It's a code violation. And 
being able to detect that and set these guidelines and addressing them on the spot when they happen is so critical to maintaining a good culture. And I have to say that in light of the pandemic, we're one of the few companies that has only, you know, had maybe a 5% attrition rate and still talk to both the people that are that left. We've grown from 13 to 22. And, and that was one of the best lessons I've ever learned was just not tolerating that behavior. You let it go and it, it festers and becomes something else and it becomes uncontrollable. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I, that I think I've taken from that. Reminds me of the final lines of Shakespeare's, I think it's the Sonnet 95, lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. Um, <laughs> but um, I, was, I was on a call, not, not one of these podcasts, just an hour ago, talking about company culture. And I made the argument that a, cult- a culture is defined by what that culture rewards. And what's interesting is your point that that now that a culture is defined by what it tolerates is like the converse of the same. It's like the same point, but flipped on its head. Like in a culture, you can do certain things and you like 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 a culture allows anything to be done from from here to here. And you can define it by this boundary. Okay, this is the stuff that's great. You know, it's even more. You're not just a good guy, but you're a saint if you do more than that. And then the other bounds of the culture is the bottom bounds is your word that tolerates. Nope, we just don't tolerate anything, anything past this sign. So, so, so I would bring together my earlier point from before and your point from right now and say a culture is, is actually defined by the boundaries of the yeah. culture. I'm sure, certain if, uh, if you blindfolded yourself right now and I told you to, that I was going to guide you and say left, 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 and only say left when I wanted you to turn left, but I never said right. Uh, it would take you a lot longer to find than if I told you there was a left and a right. So by defining both and, and Ooh, saying, I, I like right, that. That's what I like. Right, um, I can guide you a lot straighter, right? I can guide you into the exact culture that I want. So it's about defining both sides. I think that what you tolerate, but also what you reward. I really like, I reward creativity. I, I reward people who try things and fail. When they succeed, I reward them big time, right? Because I want them to feel comfortable in failure and I want them to feel comfortable in knowing that, you know, we're an innovative company. That's part of what we do. We fail. You got to fail. <laughs> like, don't be afraid. And so because of that, I, I feel like um, it really has helped my culture tremendously. And when you have a good culture in your company and you have really nice people, and I love every person in the company, I really do, uh, great people, I would hang out with them. I would, you know, do anything it takes away so many problems. You don't realize how much time you spend on infighting and fixing things and, and you can finally move totally. forward. It's just, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, this, uh, this, this is great. Lots of super interesting lessons and, uh, and stories and our conversation has been fun on top of yeah. all that. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate you having me on the, on this podcast. It was, it was, it was great. Any final thoughts to wrap up or, or meta lessons or points you, or points you didn't want to get to, or you, you didn't get to? No, I mean, other than, um, you know, I, uh, I have regrets in, in, in this business. I have things that I'm happy I went through, you know, uh, I, I know that in this, in this instance, there, there weren't many good words said, uh, at some point, but sometimes it just really aren't good things to say, you know? Um, but the thing, the lessons learned, I think proved to be more valuable, uh, than, than 
anything and getting to where I am today. So sometimes, you know, you don't have to learn by doing it. So, you know, listen to Morgan Friedman because just listen to the client horror stories so you don't have to experience them yourself. You know? and, and that's why yeah. I, think, uh, I think I've enjoyed watching some of your podcasts and, and um, you know, learning without having to go through it is the best. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think what, what, one of the reasons, I, on the one hand, I started this so younger versions of ourselves can, uh, can learn without with being spared the pain that you and I have gone through. On the, on the other hand, I chose this format not only because I want to learn podcasting and I thought it would be fun and it is, um, and I can make, make new friends like you, but on, but on top of that, I think you don't really learn these lessons. If you just read it in a book, there are all these books of advice, like, like make sure, and make, make sure on a client, if, if you see, you know, the clients infighting, then, you know, then run away. Like yeah. if, if you, that you're like, okay, that's common. Do you think, I always think that's common sense. That's obvious. That's obvious. That's obvious. But it's only when hearing these traumas that people just like yourself, smart, competent, hardworking people have gone through these traumas because they've been caught in these miserable situations. That's, that's when the stories really resonate home and you can, you can learn the lesson much more effectively than generic advice in a book. And I think one of the most important things to that point is you never know you're in it until you're in too deep, right? You don't love it. This is really like, I will never criticize someone again about that. Like I wasn't ever critical of that. Right. I just didn't understand it. Now that I fully understand it, I will immediately come to the defense of someone who's in that position. You know, it's one of those things where you just can't fathom it until it just hits and it clicks one day and you're like, how did I get here? You know, why am I here? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic advice to end the episode on. I don't think anyone's made that that observation before on uh, in all the episodes I've done, but it's uh, but it's great. I would um, I would add to that with your your observation that you never know you're in it until it's too deep. Is this awesome reversal of the classic line um, to see the forest in the trees? Because that that's usually step back, see the big picture. But that's like all unicorns and happy. I have big strategic advice. We should change the company like this because there's more opportunity. But you're making like the harder negative inverse of that. Like when you're stuck in the bottom of the well and it's all dark, you don't even realize you're stuck at the bottom of the well until you're actually stuck in the bottom of the well. <laughs> yeah, but there's always a rope, right? You there's always, always, there's you light. realize it. All this time it was hidden and now you're like, oh, exactly. Yeah. And the light is always shining in from above. <laughs> you just need to be able to figure out, okay, how do I get from here to there? Exactly. That's it. And then the, the tough move of climbing out of the well. But then once you're out, you're you know back to normal. So that's totally. it. It was a pleasure, Morgan. Thank you. Same here. And thank you, everyone who made it to the end. Woo!